the topic on my mind of late has been mostly personal one has been mostly just about balance which i thought seemed kind of relevant to some of what you're going through i saw your post about getting rid of the dad bod and 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 i was thinking about it I'm like damn you know like i'm way out of shape right now i'm in the worst shape i've been in, in years wow. and it all happened in the last two months when i when i got very focused on a work project a couple of work projects just buried myself in them set everything else aside just two months that's it and it feels like everything else just kind of fell apart that that mm -hmm. fast you know this is brojo online masculinity confidence and integrity I find that really interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about the value of focusing and, and having just one thing to, to progress an area of your life beyond anything else you want. And and to be fair, the amount of shit I've learned in the last two months is, is ridiculous. I've at least a year and a half of learning packed into two months. Mm -hmm. But there was a huge cost to that, you know, and I'm kind of reflecting on that right now as I get back to the gym. You know, how did you find yourself kind of realizing that, hey, I'm letting my health and fitness slide. Other things are falling apart. Well, the health, the health thing's been an issue for me since actually before my daughter was born. Um, and I think we'll just make this the topic today. Let's just keep going and we'll use this. Uh, because I've got the genetic heart issue. So I've got the high cholesterol even if I'm totally awesome, I have high cholesterol. Um, so my dad had his heart attack when he was in his 50s and he survived it. But after that, he has to eat like a monk for the rest of his life and exercise every day hard out or he's going to die, basically. So I've always thought like I want to be around for Chloe. Or I'm going to get my health sorted. But with the COVID fucking nightmare happening and everything, at the very least, I had good excuses that I could use to delay it. But also some quite reasonable barriers, like I literally can't go shopping for food and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so since Chloe's been born, I've gone down the path of many dads go, basically, where you just, anything that's yours personally gets put aside and you're just all about the family, you know, and I've been like that. So I'm either working, which is also for the family or I'm taking care of Chloe, or I'm helping Lucy with something, and that's it, that's all I'm doing, that's my entire life, no hobbies, no social life, nothing, no exercise, and with the sleep deprivation in particular, so there's two factors, one is like very sleep deprived, which makes it very hard to exercise, and it's possibly not even a good idea to exercise, because you can't heal, like you can't do heavy workouts at the very least, or your, your muscles just going to get wrecked, from what I read anyway, um, Plus, we don't, I've whinged about this a lot, but we don't have support, so Chloe's always around, which means things like, you know, the regular food shopping you'd need to do to, like, maintain a healthy diet, you know, like how you got to prep meals and think through things. We're more like constant last-minute grabs and ordering and just anything to get through the day. And it's not that that was the only option available, but, you know, in the state we're in, we're looking for a path of least resistance. So, at any point because we, we're constantly doing the path of most resistance all the time um so anyway that kind of got into a bit of 
uh, I guess, inertia that just became the way we we're living. Now Chloe's yeah. more independent and stuff, and I realized actually, when am I going to break out of this? Because there's no, there's never going to be an invitation to do it. I'd have to go now. Yeah, oh, it has right. to change. Yeah. 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 Essentially, the pressure builds. Yeah. This this is such a relevant topic, I think, for the Brojo guys, because so many of the guys are having kids right now, starting families. I probably know at least ten that have that are either pregnant or have newborns of my close friend circle, it's, it's time. And I remember when, when my kids were little, yeah, it felt like my whole life was just hijacked. None of my time was my own. It was, it was survival mode. You know, you sleep when you can, you eat whatever's available. You're just getting by barely. But then there was a shift for me when my kids reached about three years old where they were kind of autonomous enough. I could sit them down for a moment. They could play. I could bring toys. I could take them places. They could actually walk. They didn't have to be carried everywhere. And they needed to get out and do things. So I kind of rearranged my world around that. If I needed to get fruit to eat healthy, it was a trip. It was a family trip. Take my kids. You know, we'd go for a walk. Yeah, it would take 30% longer, maybe more. But it ended up being, ended up basically killing a couple birds with one stone. You know, we got to, we got bonding time. They got to learn things. We all got out. We were eating more healthily. Everything in my world, hobbies, hanging out with friends, going for walks, going to the gym, doing yoga, started a Japanese drumming team. I mean, basically when they got to that age, they could actually be a part of my life kind of in parallel. rather than interfering and the reason I find this really interesting was that somehow I found that very grounding it kind of balanced me because I had to spend time with them now my kids are grown and I don't have that grounding right and there's no one saying hey we need to spend time with you we need to go do things we need to get out and get exercise we need to go have friends and so when I get wrapped up in something like a work project that's it man i'm lost i'm down the rabbit hole and there's no one here to pull me out and i find it really interesting to realize that i have to do that for myself now i have to somehow find a way to say then now that's it's not going to happen i have to create my own demands you know to to create a balanced schedule yeah how old is chloe now yes chloe's about to turn two and I could see, like you're talking about the, the writing on the wall a little bit, like as her independence grows and stuff, I can see a future where, including her and my stuff, uh, I don't know about my work, but yeah, health and fitness and stuff like that, I could see her helping me prepare meals up on a little stool on the bench and stuff. If I was to do it right now, she'd just throw shit everywhere. Um, but she's very close to not being like that, I think. She's slowly... You know, she can eat with a fork and stuff now. It's getting, like, very promising signs that she might be, you know, able to participate. She actually quite enjoys it. Well, what I'll say is she likes climbing on me when I'm doing push-ups, so we're, we're halfway there. <laughs> Gives me extra weight, yes, extra resistance until she gets bored and starts, like, punching me in the face. But, yeah, so I, I like that idea. I think, yeah, if you said three years old, that sounds about right. I think I'm about a year off her being not a burden but more of a participant. You know, like if I go shopping with her now, 
I mean, that is one way to get out of the house and do something, but, you know, she's grabbing shit off the shelves and throwing it and stuff like that. It's not quite helpful at this point. It's more like I'd rather go without her, you know, at this point. Um, uh, you know, but what I was thinking of, coming back to your thing, and I think this is our issue, I don't know, when people have a 9-to-5 job, or they have kids, or they've got a bossy partner, perhaps, or whatever, you have, like, an external on-and-off kind of uh, management happening, right? Like, you know, work ends now because we're shutting the shop up and, you know, you need to come help me with dinner. So I guess I'm pulled out of whatever I was doing. Um, and I don't know how this relates, but what popped into my head was actually dancing. So I'm, I'm a person where I have a limit. No matter how much I love an activity, there's a limit how long I can do it before I completely sort of crash on that activity. So whereas Lucy, she could dance all night, all day, and not get bored. I go social dancing. Uh, there's a certain point in the night. It's different every night. A certain point of like, if I do one more dance, I'm going to hate this forever. Like I have to stop now. I have to go. Uh, especially, I should have gone one dance ago, and I'm now to the point where I now feel like it's a chore, and I'm killing. Like I don't want that to my, be my last memory. And it's still something I'm practicing. Just dancing was the example where it first happened, where I had to choose to end it arbitrarily like there's no sign off externally there's no sign that like this is the time i had to just feel it out and go now it has to stop now and i do this like thing i'm just everyone's just getting going i'm like i'm actually getting going literally like i'm out and nobody could understand i'm like i, I can't explain it to you but if i don't leave now i'm never coming back you know yeah i've done that before as well and i think you and i've both um We've talked a lot about the value of the Irish goodbye, just yeah. bailing when it's time, because you, you need to take care of yourself, you know, and uh, and trying to consider the expectations of others first is a death trap. You'll just you'll end up, yeah, hating your social world. And funny enough, I'm in exactly the same way about dance and about really all activities. So there's a certain point where I'm full. If I go beyond that, it becomes work. I'm pushing myself out of any kind of like real enjoyable place to where there might be benefit, but um, I don't want it anymore. I yeah. lose all sense of motivation. Yeah. And I'll find the same thing about work as well. What's interesting for me about work is that particularly because, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. We do things that we love to do. And it's a huge space. Like you get bored with writing, you do a podcast. You get bored with a podcast, you do coaching. You get bored with coaching, start a new book, study something new. You know, there's a million things. And and literally for the last two months, it feels like it was a week long for me. I was so deep that um, I find that there are certain aspects of my life that it's it's almost rather than having a, a kind of aversive personality come out when I go too deep, I, be, I become more addicted. It's like, this is so much fun. Like, there's so many things. There's so much to learn. I can't stop. And I'll find myself going to bed at 2 a.m. in the morning and waking up at 6. And that, that's how my life's been mm. for the last two months. And then one day I look in the mirror. And I'm like, damn, when's the last time I went to the gym? <laughs> you know, really? I can't remember. I think I still have a membership somewhere. You know, um, I find that really fascinating because in the moment, I'm barely aware of that trade-off. 
and even to the degree that I am aware of it, you know, for example, like ordering in way too much because I just don't have time to cook because I'm too busy working on this great thing and I don't want to stop now. So Uber Eats or, or whatever, run down the street and grab a, you know, taco or something like that. And um, you're, you're kind of aware that this isn't a healthy, sustainable way to live. But the experience of being so wrapped in something you're so passionate about, it's just so all-consuming. It's, it's um, I call it Tesla syndrome. Because Nikola Tesla was famous for just, he didn't have a girlfriend, he didn't, you know, he, his life was about his work. Uh, da Vinci was quite similar, right? And it, there are certain people that you just get so absorbed in the thing that you're passionate about that everything else fades away. And it's not actually a healthy place to be, but you lose all sense of perspective on it. And uh, I find I found once in a while I end up dipping my toe. I'm not anything like those guys, you know, but I end up dipping my toe into that pond. And then I come out going, that wasn't like I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm better for the experience, you know. Have you felt the same challenge? Yeah, now I have some external pools at the moment. Uh, a partner and a child are kind of unavoidable. I mean, I've heard of guys who are like, fuck them, you know, and they just go do whatever they want, but I'm not that kind of guy. One of the upsides to having that people-pleaser pathway in yeah. my head is I can't be that ruthless. Um, so I get pulled out, but, you know, I think of prior to, you know, when I first started my business, I was doing 90-hour weeks. That was all I was doing, and, you know, my health plummeted. I had no social life, no hobbies, no reason why I couldn't. Uh, it's partly driven by the financial insecurity of getting started, but it was mostly just by the just obsession. It was an obsessive feeling, the drive, like like you said, addictive. Just couldn't get away from my computer, couldn't stop looking at things. Um, you know what I think we're going to end up talking about or start talking about is the concept of discipline, which I've been thinking a lot more about lately. And a working definition I had going with a couple of clients was that discipline is about doing the right thing rather than what you feel like doing. Mm. And I think what we're talking about, and this is a problem with either obsessive, compulsive, you know, uh, behavior or procrastination type behavior, is you're going with what you feel like doing. Um, and I think what we feel like doing is often misleading, often short-sighted, often about highs and lows and not about long-term rewards and you know it's even uh, when i think about like the neglect so what you've been doing with work i've been doing with fatherhood and i can make all sorts of noble narrative statements that justify that and be very hard for someone to argue against without them looking like a bastard you know see i'm just doing the right thing as a father even like, if i can't argue with that but the truth is there is an obsessive quality to it and there's a people-pleasing quality to it you know, there are little moments where I'm spending extra time with Chloe because I know if I don't, like Lucy will be stressed, which is actually caretaking her behavior. It's not really about being a dad. It's about making her less stressed that, so it doesn't bother me as much. It's very much in the, at least the intention's got people-pleasing flavor to it. And I've really, I've relapsed quite a few times with people-pleasing since Chloe was born. I guess that was inevitable. But discipline... 
let's say you got the classic example of discipline like every morning you get up and exercise you're never you're never gonna have a consistency of feeling like doing that some mornings you'll be pumped but most it'll be like Ugh. and discipline is doing it anyway and I think self-discipline is the most difficult like we're talking about if you got external factors like prompting you and pushing you you can be disciplined by those like someone you know you can become reliant on a partner reliant on kids or reliant on a boss to like choose your hours for you but you and i both know when you move to entrepreneurship or you're living alone or something you just like well all the noise is gone and you just go with what you feel all the time and yeah it's very easy to go lock in and procrastinate on other things and yeah i think discipline is probably one of the most difficult and necessary practices a human being can engage in for a healthy life. There's a book called The Molecule of More that I, I really enjoyed. It's it's a bit of a technically flavored look at how dopamine works. One of the big takeaways I had from that book is that pretty much half of our brain functions seem to, to function on dopamine. There, there are actually four dopamine pathways that drive our thinking. Some of them are for instant gratification, you know, very reptilian brain. I'm hungry. I want to eat fatty, sugary foods. I want sex. I want alcohol, whatever cravings oriented. But just as uh, importantly, our future oriented desires, life goals, ambitions, you know, wanting to have abs, wanting to have that great relationship, wanting to build your business. Those are also driven by dopamine. And so there was a period of time where I just thought dopamine's evil. Like it drives me towards the pizza and the beer and the, you know, uh, things that aren't benefiting me and where I want to go. But that's not the case at all. And what I've realized is if I look at my past, the reason I've been very successful at some periods of my life in some areas of my life is because I created an environment that focused my dopamine on the things where I get the most benefit. So when I'm starting my business, surrounded myself with good people, set up a, a site where I could work um, without any distractions. And we just went, you know, hardcore into building that business and it succeeded like, like nothing else. Same thing with family, relationships, raising kids, put myself into that environment, was surrounded by it, didn't give myself any choices, basically. So it's so like you're saying part of it is feeling pulled into wanting to be a part of that part of it's feeling pushed other people have needs and demands and expectations on you but all of them are pointing me in the same direction yeah right so when i would go to work part of it was because hey this is exciting and fun and i'm really enjoying it part of it was because if i don't my employees have no idea what to do because i'm not there sort of conducting the orchestra part of it is because clients have deadlines so I'm pushed and pulled and everything, but it's all towards the same target. And in those situations, um, my my level of effectiveness and progress was was a hundred out of a hundred, right? Um, now what I've realized is that the world that I've created, the world that I'm in right now, is really only oriented towards work right it's not oriented towards physical fitness health 
Um, it's not organized in any specific way towards like social connection, relationships. You know, those are part of my life, but they're not prioritized in any sense of the way, in the way I've set up my world. And I, and I begin to notice it because what happens is those, those normal demands, those little pushes and pulls of everyday existence, the emails you get when you wake up in the morning, the texts you get through the day, you know, um, they end up really sucking you into this vortex of where you're, you're absolutely focused on, on one thing, but at the expense of everything else that's balanced. And I find it very hard to pull away from that. It's kind of a quicksand experience mm -hmm. where you got into it, you felt safe, you felt in control. Suddenly you weren't so much in control anymore and you're kind of flailing around just trying to stay afloat. And um, it becomes a very interesting exercise to say, well, discipline actually means sacrificing some of that. Like I actually have to say no to myself about certain things that I want to do, or I have to say no to a client about certain things they're asking from me. I have to really, it's almost as though the, the people pleasing nature um, is inward facing as well. Mm. That there's a sense of, I need to make me happy. It's like, no, you don't. Your job is to make you healthy and strong and, and you know live a good, long, full life. It's not just to enjoy now or to be wealthy now or to have great relationships now. There's future stuff you have to consider in that equation. And if you don't, you're going to suffer. Well, what I've been, yeah, along those lines, what I've been trying to figure out is if, if you get the want wrong, then you're doomed. Right? Like what it is you're trying to achieve, whether you want to call that a goal or just a desire or a vision. Uh, if you if you don't get that right, or you're lying to yourself about what it is and there's something else behind it that you're secretly going for, um, you're either going to procrastinate or overdo things. And usually those occur simultaneously, right? Procrastination is usually an ex excessive amount of another task or another type of tasks. Um, what I've been trying to think of lately is what's a what's a kind of image, a vision that would keep me on track, and more importantly, like the kind of instant gratification dopamine would override that urge, or would make it very hard for me to follow that urge without feeling very guilty. And and one of the things that having a kids helped me with is that for the first time maybe in my life, my focus has shifted from me being something that I like being, you know, as being the primary goal, uh, to being something that's of great benefit to her, uh, which is actually still the same thing, but it's got this, like, like you said, it's a, it's a kind of a helpful external component to it. I'm like, this can't just be me, like, jerking off in the mirror, just going, you're awesome. It has to be something that benefits her, and it's made me ask a very, like, careful question around what is an actual good father not one that's particularly you know seen to be good necessarily or one that like follows common uh so-called wisdom but the one where as the father role your impact gives her the best possible chance for a very high quality of life for high self-confidence uh for her to be as fruitful as she's possibly going to be knowing that you know that's only part of the pie other things are going to influence her but also to create an influence that should negative influences try to throw her off track 
your influence counters those in some way and, and that kind of thing. So I've been two years I've been thinking about this and rethinking about it, plotting various points, reading scientific uh, articles and books to see why, what works and what doesn't in an objective way and so on. And the answer's pretty clear. It's a nice one, which is already just living with integrity goes a long way. Just being available goes a very long way. You don't have to do something special. Just be there and be present in your focus. But more importantly, it's just their message keeps coming through. Like, I need to be doing well. That's what's best for her. Mm. So what's best for my relationship and everything is that I'm firing on all cylinders. I'm very healthy, not just physically, but mentally. The healthier I am physically and mentally, combined with being available for her, guarantees basically the best possible influence I can have because I'll be role modeling. She's going to copy what I do much more than she's going to listen to what I say. If she exactly. sees me eating healthy all the time, she sees me saying no to bad things and turning off screens when I've had enough. And if she sees me, you know, being confrontational to unhealthy social influences and she sees me having fun as much as I can, she's likely to copy that essentially. And she's likely to look for guys like that, you know, assuming she's straight in a romantic future, she's going to prefer guys who are like that. One of the things that I really enjoyed um, when my kids were in this age range, particularly between, I'd say, 3 and 12, um, they were just part of my life. They were intricately wrapped up in everything that I did. And I was very aware that they're watching me learning from everything I do, they're learning from every decision I make, they're learning from how I balance my life between taking care of things like washing the dishes or cooking dinner, working, relationships, friendships, hobbies, health and fitness, all of it. They got to see me doing all of it. None of it was hidden from them. I simply didn't have the opportunity to hide it from them because I was a single dad. So they were always there with me. And one of the things I became acutely aware of was that me showing them that it was important to live a rich and full life, full of activities and friends and learning and hobbies and experiences, even as a single dad, you know, challenging situation, you know, um, was incredibly important for them. It was incredibly important for them to see that that was not just out of enjoyment, it was out of staying healthy and maintaining my integrity and being a rock for my family. They never saw me sacrifice those things. I was quite fortunate. Like I, I did those things because I needed to do them, but I also did them because I realized they needed me to do them. They needed me to do them so that I could be the dad that they needed. If I was entirely focused on them, at some point, exhaustion, resentment, frustration, lack of purpose, spinning compass, all of that was going to be their reality and their perception of, well, this is what it's like to be a dad. That kind of sucks. Mm. But that would be their family experience. I, I could not let that happen. I did not want that to happen. So I found that a really, really compelling reason to invest the time I did. It never felt wasted. And they got involved in so many things. They tried martial arts. They got into Aikido and karate. They did acro yoga, some acrobatic stuff. They did Japanese drumming for about two years, did some performances on stage, went for some epic hikes, 
did random art projects. We'd take apart a TV that wasn't working anymore. Just anything we could do that was interesting and fun and where we could learn. They were a part of that. And it was that kind of, I got to sort of immerse them in my own core values, the experience of being me. It's like, I'm curious, how does this work? Let's find out. We'd rip it apart together and we'd hit the internet and try to figure out what this thing was. And it was a great adventure for them. And I think that's that's the key, is life's meant to be an adventure. If it feels like an adventure, like you don't know what's around the next corner and that's super exciting because you're you're right up against it, you're probably in the right place. You know? If it feels like everything is predictable, you're probably so deep into the comfort zone that you're gonna struggle to find your way out. You know, and you're almost certainly not growing or challenging yourself or your kids, if you have kids, you know in any meaningful way and that became to me that that felt like death you know the few times i found myself in that place i was like this sucks mm. this is not even living you know and i certainly i certainly didn't feel like i could be the role model that they deserved you know when i was there mm. well yeah, it's interesting because we've kind of got two separate dilemmas. One is I've got the dilemma of the people-pleasing urge and sacrificing myself, which I do like successfully battle against sometimes, but I've I've been slipping a lot since she was born. And then you've got the dilemma of no one watching you mm. and nobody, you know, to be held to account to uh, large periods of time. And both of those are quite dangerous places for discipline, I think. You know, when I look at what I need to do, is basically, it's that crazy quote that I get from Tim Ferriss for our work week, you know, for big good things to happen, little bad things need to happen. And like for me to be the dad she needs, sometimes I have to do things that upset both her and, and Lucy. I have to like not be available in order to be better available and uh, have to take care of myself before I take care of them sometimes and so on. Uh, something I've preached a lot, uh, but been hypocritical about as well. It's, it's just, hard to put into practice. It is. And, and like I said, we, you know, maybe I'm making excuses, but I feel like they're real barriers. You know, that combo, like I said, of fuck all sleep. I'm lucky to get four hours sleep a night for two years now. And me and Lucy. And Lucy's far more devastated by it than I am. So I've kind of got caring for her on top of that. And then like a large percentage of the time, there's no one to leave Chloe with. We don't get a break from Chloe. She's just started daycare and then she got sick instantly. So she's back. Um, you know, that combo is just, I couldn't get my head above water, you know. And then you, like, you think about that and then like the car breaks down or I have dental problems on top of that. And just reaching for the surface every day, like one breath, just give me one fucking breath. Like the only break I get in the day is the time that Lucy and I spend together when Chloe has her nap. And that time's so important to me that I don't want to use it all with a workout. But that's the only time I could do a workout unless I find some sort of magic uh, spot. But as I hear myself talk, there are excuses there. You know, like, can I not do a 10-minute hit workout somewhere in the day? Of course I can. It just won't be the time I prefer, and it won't be in like a gym. It'll be on my bedroom floor and bumping into stuff. But that's not an obstacle. The thing is, that's the discipline thing. Is you have to do this almost cold light of day, 
write down what your day should look like if you're being the man you should be and then force yourself to do that no matter how you feel essentially you know kind of follow your own instructions made when you're rational when you're feeling irrational and i think you know a person we've seen it with like you get it with all those military guys like goggins and jocko willink and all those guys you know this is their fucking mastery you know this is what they're strong in the guy runs every day no matter what the guy makes his bed every day no matter what uh, and they, of course, will have other problems, which is they'll be disciplined to such an extent where they follow the rules, even if the rules need to change, if the rules are no longer appropriate or a situation grants an override, they'll go, oh, no, too bad. Perhaps, I'm guessing. Um, but that, that's why discipline is such a complex and nuanced idea, a mixture of rigidity and flexibility being able to like take in the context and decide which of those is appropriate do i go with the plan or is now the time to break it without being influenced by how you feel in the moment but through logical nightmare it's difficult i've found some tools that really help me with discipline and they're basic things like um like having a cheat day you know you're allowed to have good fun things that are purely for the enjoyment of it ice cream whatever it is for you um but once a week, Sunday is that day. And I find little tools like that help tremendously because from a psychological perspective, you're not telling your inner child, whatever, no, in which case it's just gonna rebel and scream and pull things off the shelves. You're saying not yet. You can have cake after you eat your broccoli, you know? And I've found that, you know, using tools like that on myself were really, really beneficial in helping me to stay focused. One of the tools I found most interesting that really benefited me was a was where I took the what I call the five areas of lifestyle design and just wrote them down on a sheet of paper. So it was inner self, like, you know, how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking, am I journaling, am I meditating, those types of things, um, health and fitness, wealth, relationships, and then future mission, mission and purpose. You know, those are my five columns. And at the start of each week, I'd go to a cafe with Starbucks locally, sit down and I'd actually write out what do I want to accomplish this week in each of these five areas. I just made a very simple map. This is only for one week. Am I going to hit the gym three times this week? Am I going to do some yoga classes? Am I going to dancing? What am I do working on, you know, in terms of writing projects or new products or systems? I'm building, who am I going to go see and hang out with? Everything was on there. It only took half an hour to sort of sketch out, like, here's what I want to do. And that would stay, kind of like, what do I need to do today? What are my priorities today? And what I found really interesting, and this is, we've had this discussion about just one thing versus where you, where do you spend your resources? <clears throat> but for me, hang on just a sec. I found that sort of, Splitting my, sure. You're cutting in and out quite badly, but it might have just come right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take yeah, it. I saw it. I saw it flicker for a moment there. Yeah. So, so one of the things I found really beneficial about this approach was that I found myself moving forward in every area of my life that I cared about, rather than just moving forward really fast in one, but all the other areas were falling 
backwards, you know, backsliding. I was moving forward in all of them very steadily. And one of the very interesting facets of that is if, if there was ever a time when anything kind of went off the cliff, any part of my life, a relationship, uh, a work project, a health situation, whatever it is, all those other areas were really stable. So the experience for me wasn't like, oh crap, my life's in the shitter now. You know, it was, oh, this isn't ideal, but all these other things are going great. Let's double down on those while we wait for this dental issue to take care of itself or whatever. I've gone through those exact same situations. It was really helpful to kind of see clearly where I was making progress. It really helped me psychologically. So I keep thinking about that. I keep thinking about the fact that I haven't, I haven't done that balancing act in ages. I haven't even printed off one of my one of those sheets or ever sat down with a coffee and said, well, what do I want to accomplish? What are my goals? And when I don't do that, I, I find myself in the quicksand in no time flat. Well, that's the key, I think, is there needs to be a single practice that has a domino effect where if you engage in it, you can't help but become disciplined by following through on it, you know. And you just described yours probably. It'd be interesting to see you go and apply that, you know, in the next 48 hours and see if it does the trick. I'm sure it will. If it's worked before, it will work again usually, right? Um, and that's what I've been working on as well. I'm trying to think now, like, how did I suddenly become disciplined with my health? And, like, at the time, like I said, this dental issue put me on antibiotics, which means I can't work out because I'll just fucking pass out. They're so strong. And, like... You know, my wife's really struggling because I'm trying to eat all healthy and she's eating normal and how do we cook and all that. So there's all these barriers, but I'm fucking on point. Like, apart from not being able to do what I can't do, I'm not slipping. Um, I'm only cheating on the cheat day and so on. And when I think about why I got here, what stands out to me is the there's a long-term and a short-term technique that have worked. The long-term one is journaling, honestly. And for a long time now, I've been writing how about how disappointed I am and what I'm doing about my health. And it builds up a healthy guilt motivator. Mm. So I haven't been, at least very recently, I have not been lying to myself about what's happening with my health. I've been like, I've neglected myself. I'm eating like shit. I could have exercised, but I didn't. I just talked myself out of it, blah, blah, blah. And every time I have to write that, I'm like, fuck, I'm writing this again. You know, like... What, I don't want to be around for Chloe? Like, what is this bullshit? Just getting mad at myself, essentially, for pathetic behavior and pathetic excuses and so on. And that has a long-term effect. Like, if you're very honest with yourself and your measurements, it becomes impossible to ignore. And you just start getting that cognitive dissonance all the time. And then what I've done, which I think really pulled the trigger for me more recently is creating in the moment cognitive dissonance which is i'm allowed to do anything i want anything at all as long as i ask myself a question like is this living by the value of respect or i might ask a question as like me being my ideal self is this what he would do or is this the best you can do right now there's certain questions i play with different ones Usually, uh, like with my clients, they'll find one question that really like hits the mark for them. Like they just 
squirm when it's answered because they just can't get away from the answer and it's just glaring and they can't like they can maybe go ahead with the bad behavior but they can't enjoy it you know it's like ruined it for them because this one guy might say like my my original question was always like what would a confident man do right now and you go and do the opposite and you're like oh i'm just being a total fucking pussy and something you might usually enjoy like jerking it to porn or smoking some weed or eating a big cake is just soured for you you just feel bad doing it you don't feel bad later like usual you feel bad during and it allows me it allowed me to kind of that's in my maintenance go-to so whenever i get little compulsions and urges i think what have i been asked most of me i've been asked myself the respect question i'd be like is this respecting your body or is this respecting the plan is this respecting your fatherhood ideal you know and i'll be looking at like i don't know it's not cake in our house but it might be biscuits or something i'll be like really you're going to eat that instead of respecting yourself i was like ah fuck no i can't have the biscuits one one of the perspectives that i i like a lot on um on exactly this approach is to frame it as um anything i do anything i don't do consciously is a choice it's a choice i'm making so if I choose, uh, you know, I don't I actually, I actually feel like going to the gym today. I'm a bit tired. I didn't get much sleep. I actually have to say to myself, I'm choosing to be unhealthy. Right. I'm choosing to get fatter. I'm choosing to live less long and uh, to be further away from, you know, ideal fitness goals. That's a choice. And if you're very aware, if I say that out loud, like I'm choosing right now, if I do this, I'm choosing and it, it makes things very clear. This isn't just, this can't slip under the radar unnoticed, right? This is a conscious choice that I'm making. And that's very powerful. So I actually have to, conf- it becomes self-confrontational, right? Um, yeah, I find those, finding that right question that really kind of pushes you. Because for me in particular, I would never consciously want to do things that cause me harm. So that one, I- actually pushes me hard right if i say i know i'm choosing this unhealthy decision whatever it is i feel that i feel that hard i'm like oh it just doesn't (laughs) it doesn't feel right you know and i'll really i'll stay awake over that yeah i like that one i think what we're seeing is a combo here which is discipline has elements of both responsibility and respect and discipline is about respect it's doing what's right and and responsibility is about realizing whose job it is to do that thing which is yourself i love that i've used that one many times myself as well like what am i really choosing not what am i not choosing what am i choosing and it's been very powerful since having daughter like okay i'm choosing to be a poor role model for chloe so that she ends up being a weak ass bitch that like life just shits all over i'm choosing that right now by eating this in front of her he's just holding it like shaking like oh, i can't do that to her you know it's fucking horrible and it's not it's not untrue i mean i've been um this isn't for everyone but it's a type of language that works well i, I like hard brutal language like when i get, when i get a coach i always ask them like just fucking go to town bro like don't be soft with me like hurt me like it's it's because well, i'm so resistant to authority i need a big whack you know and i find it funny which helps me motivate stuff i've been watching a lot of uh kitchen nightmares with gordon ramsay that's my new thing that's my only like break in the day i guess we watch a one of those together and uh he's got a very uh specific style 
it appears to be very effective uh which is mostly insults that are very very accurate you know um but without like rancor like he'll be happily working alongside that person five minutes later he doesn't hold a grudge but he'll say very very accurately cruel things to them and i like talking to myself like that you know mm. like oh so you're gonna be a little bitch who's in denial that's that's the guy you want to be you know <laughs> you're gonna be a fucking obese fat ass has to waddle everywhere like that's that's an awesome guy to be good luck you know you want everyone to see that you want to be that that's that's your role model you know this the coach who doesn't take care of himself awesome what a cool guy and that like this isn't for everyone for some people that's actually their self-talk that they use to demotivate themselves um but for i don't know for my personality type perhaps maybe it's the challenge i'm actually creating an authority figure i now want to prove wrong even though that figure is me and it's kind of like i'll fucking show you i can do some push-ups <laughs> sometimes it backfires i literally backfired this morning um where i was like i've got to finish my antibiotics and then i'll do work exercise again it's like what you're just going to believe the doctors you know <laughs> and uh, i think you're frozen up a bit there you're back let me know if you can hear. yeah yeah i can see you now yeah I was like, what, are you going to let the doctors tell you how to live, you little bitch? So I dropped in, did some push-ups, and then almost passed out. I'm like, oh, wait, they weren't lying. I'm fucked. Um, but the upside to that, I mean, I stopped, you know. Um, but the upside to that was I didn't just take something at their word. I went and tested it. Now I feel very, like, guilt-free about not exercising. Like, I made sure that this was not an excuse. This wasn't me pussying out. This was a genuine barrier. Because I think that's one of the biggest issues to discipline that i see in my clients more than my own problems maybe but is the difficulty distinguishing the difference between an actual barrier and an imagined one you know you think of going to the gym when you're pushing out that last rep is it actually that you can't lift it or do you just think you can't you know we've talked about that before you can usually got another three in you the muscles still have room to grow but your mind's given up and people say I see this with people pleasing and in myself, you know, but my partner's really sick, right? And that stops you doing push ups. How exactly? Like, is she grabbing you and throwing up in your face while you're trying to do push ups? Or is it just you feel uncomfortable neglecting her, which isn't actually a real thing stopping you? And that, you know, being able to distinguish that difference, that's why I had to go do push ups, even though I knew I shouldn't, is I had to figure out if this is a real barrier or not. I had to go, okay, no, my body's like shutting down as I do this. I'll listen to the doctors for once, you know. Yeah, don't don't the Navy SEALs have something that Joko um, brings up? So I think it's called the forty percent rule. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that when you feel exhaustion, you're only forty percent of the way to failure. You still have way further to go. Um, and I, I think that that is that can be very true, particularly when it comes to endurance challenges. Maybe not. You can't lift one hundred and fifty percent more, but you can probably run one hundred and fifty percent further if you just you know, buckle in um but yeah that is that is really interesting and when we talk about the the concept of self-discipline and the sort of the, what goes on in your head I, I can't help but think that people pleasing plays a big part of it even though it's people pleasing towards yourself it's this sense of i don't want to create negative emotions unnecessarily because mm -hmm. it'll make my world hell all right it's that kind of avoidant, confrontation avoidant behavior. Um, 
And it, it kind of makes sense because the guys that really know how to push themselves, the sort of elite athletes out there, I had never really considered this before, but I can't immediately identify anybody where I'd say that super athlete is a people pleaser. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and this may be the first time I'm thinking about it too. Both those elements, one is that people pleasing includes yourself as a person. So, you, you know, that's part of the people that you try to please. Maybe the one you're actually trying to please the most would be a very accurate statement. You're always trying to make him feel comfortable. Um, so that's interesting. I've never, well, I have thought about that, but not like that before. Like it's another people that you're pleasing sort of thing. And I agree, like I've studied a lot of very disciplined, highly successful people. And generally, the more rigid and disciplined someone is, the less conscientious they are. To the point where I'd be considering that Goggins is high in psychopathy and things like that. Yeah. I mean, military guys who kill people and stuff, there must be a level of psychopathy there. They don't back down from shooting a stranger yeah. in the face, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, well, okay, there is – actually, there are exceptions. I think a great one, if you ever want to get into it, Andre Agassi, uh, his book Open, uh, shocking revelation about him is he fucking hates tennis and always has from the minute he picked up a racket he's hated every second of it basically i mean he had highs like brittle kind of like validation and approval highs but tennis was always just this demon for him he wasn't doing it out of passion for the tennis but it starts with impressing his very overpowering dad and you know his dominating dad who he always wanted love from but could never get it unless he won a game of tennis um through to like winning the crowd and having the medals and having people see that he's got brook shields as a missus and all this kind of stuff he's like the book is very aptly named open it's such a great fucking title for a book because it's about tennis and it's about him opening up like beautifully done i don't know if he wrote it by himself or had a biographer but it's a very one of the most transparent honest reads i've ever had from an autobiography most people are a bit self-aggrandizing this guy was just like totally open about just near constant suffering mentally but the compulsion he couldn't give it up like if he hadn't been good at it he wouldn't have kept doing it so it was almost people pleasing was his discipline and so there may be yeah and now i think about it, i think there's either going to be zero people pleasing the discipline is like fuck you i do what's right for me and then we'll talk about you or the exact opposite where someone's very disciplined because they're like being watched and other people depend on them and they get approval and validation for doing it right you know i i, I hadn't heard of his story before that's quite amazing and i actually hadn't heard of it in um in the realm of you know like super athletes in sports very often but i've heard of it very frequently in communities like um, professional dance mm -hmm. where from the time someone was a little child they had to please their parents so they went to ballet and they you know broke their feet and pushed it every day and had to be the best and you know or the, or the girls that are raised into sort of the beauty pageants same right. thing they have to be perfect because it's the only way their parents will accept them it's 100 percent people pleasing but the effect, rather than being a glass ceiling, it's more like coals under their feet. Yeah, right. Make them keep dancing. It's very interesting. It's a very powerful thing. And when you when you internalize that, in the case of like like Agassi, is that I imagine that he 
at some point realize that he's good enough to to get validation from others including his dad and therefore he can't possibly stop he has to be the best he has to push himself not because he loves tennis because he felt that need for approval secondhand from his dad he couldn't approve of himself unless he had that approval from others it's people pleasing all right but in a very different way and and what's interesting if you've read you've read goggins mm -hmm. bio as well there's a similar twist to it, but it was all about, it was more about himself than about someone external, like parents. There's a point where he just looked in the mirror and said, you know, I can't handle this anymore. And, uh, and it hated himself it, it, to the point that he actually had to change to just be able to live with himself. You know, decided to push himself extremely in the opposite direction and, and never stopped. I mean, nearly killed himself several times. You know, just because he didn't know how to stop at that point and be okay with it. Um, well, I think, yeah, that's a key difference. Because the discipline that Andre Agassi has isn't doesn't actually meet our uh, definition from earlier of doing the right thing. He's actually doing the wrong thing. He's just doing it very consistently and very frequently and to an extreme level of effort. So he's very consciously being bad. It's like a... Nazi soldier with a high body counts like they're very disciplined, but you know they spend the rest of their life having nightmares and guilt, so they're not actually doing the right thing, so that's not discipline, whereas Goggins is an interesting case because nobody but him and maybe not even him will ever know if he's actually doing the right thing. What do we know is we're doing the thing that he's doing the thing that is a counter reaction to the disgust that he felt about himself and and you're right like. Agassi was always about other people, and Goggins is very self, self-centered, but not in the way that that's connotated. Just he does it for him, you know. <laughs> I mean, the title of his book is like, it's funny the difference in those book titles. Like Andre is open, and Goggins is can't hurt me, <laughs> you know? like fuck you. Uh, yeah, so Agassi even with his book, there's an element of like, please feel for me, you know, please love me for the you know, the, the damaged person I am. And Goggins is like, read my book or don't. I don't give a fuck. Fuck you all. I read this because I'm yeah. a fucking man. So there's a kind of, a, not grandiosity, I think Goggins actually has a humility that allows him to always identify his weaknesses. But he goes so far as to go like, is he achieving his definition of healthy? Which means like wrecking your body's okay as long as you're satisfied in your mind about who you are. Uh, or is he actually being unhealthy? Uh, because there's plenty of evidence that there's a very obsessive quality. There's, from his own words, he seems to struggle to connect with people. He's only like friends with his marine buddies and like nothing else. Everybody else he's suspicious of and distrustful of. I think he has a partner, but the fact that she's not even mentioned in the book I find fascinating. Like, she doesn't take up that much of his mind to warrant a paragraph. Or a few that came and went through the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like maybe it's not relevant to the story, but the point is like I see some red flags in his approach where I was like you could say that that's discipline, but if discipline, the word requires a healthy set of activity, like you have to be doing the right thing, then I don't know if he actually is disciplined, if he's just rigid. Now that's, I think we're we're basically introducing a new concept, a new definition. Discipline in its 
raw form of being able to push yourself towards future goals and you know with a, a with an immediate sacrifice that's sort of the common view of discipline right. by that measure goggins is ultra disciplined right he does not enjoy today but tomorrow keeps getting a little bit better the more he pushes himself and you know he he's pushed himself through through some enormous challenges you know to get where he's at and he's not the only one who follows that pattern by far um sir edmund hillary and you know this discipline's a, a fascinating topic there but that key question is this benefiting you what's the end goal here why why are you doing this is it just so you can look in the mirror and feel you're not weak or are you actually turning yourself into a better person you know are you running from something or are you headed towards something and it's a big question a lot of people don't actually stop to ask they're like no i just need to overcome who i am okay but where are you going to then you know what's the destination and they don't have a map so i think what we're actually talking about is something along the lines of a distinction between you know what this reminds me of is the distinction between shame and um and authenticity shame mm -hmm. So shame being this idea that something about you is wrong just because you're a flawed and useless human versus the feeling that something is wrong because it goes against your core values. And that's a valuable form of shame. Here we're talking about discipline versus authenticity discipline. Right. You know, the idea that you're actually doing this to be more authentic, to be more real, and to become a better version of yourself. And if you can achieve that, it's worth every you know drop of sweat you can pour into it but it's it's, a, it's very difficult for a lot of people to even tell what that is well you know what it this is this i think you're on track because there's discipline which is just a neutral tool it depends what you point it at the ability to do the thing that aligns with the goal as opposed to other distractions um but like i said you could be a disciplined nazi soldier and your end result is you know tried as a war criminal and executed like who wins there nobody well it made me think of two contrasting stories so one that came into my mind was muhammad ali and he's often quoted as saying he hated every step of practice he fucking hated running he hated all of it but he's just like i'm gonna be the master i'm gonna be the man and that was always it i'm gonna be the champion of the world and he's like I, whatever it takes to do that i don't care how i feel but his is an interesting case his decline in his old age is directly related to boxing you know he suffered brain injuries and that's why he had his you know his whatever technically he was given the shaky can't talk thing you know and so his final years were a kind of stutter and stumble and roll down the hill i mean i'm sure he had good times but i don't, I don't doubt it was his ideal so he paid a very heavy price to be the man very heavy price and compare that to a story I heard recently. Um, do you remember Police Academy? Those, car, uh, those comedy movies? Okay. There's like eight of them. Yeah. And Hightower. The tall black yeah. guy who made the noises. Yeah. Well, nobody really knows that he disappeared after those movies. Nothing really came of it. Well, I don't know. I can't remember the full story off the top of my head. Definitely worth looking up. Basically, what happened was a family crisis. And uh, I think his partner died. And left him with a child maybe more than one now the story's out there on the internet easy to find and he was left with this dilemma 
continue with this career that's just on fire right now. Like I am that guy. I've got millions of people copying me and trying to be me. I can turn this into something or be there for my, my child. And he chose to step down from the spotlight. Similar to that guy who was in like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and how he disappeared for similar reasons. Uh, these actors that right at their prime, they just disappear to do something that was noble. And, you know, Hightower, like he's kind of coming back now. He's doing like comedy tours and shit and everyone's like, who's this dude? What's up with the noises? But is that disciplined to step back from the grand goal, to step back from the... Uh, what do you call that? The, you know, the just the right at the cusp of success. Yeah, and as a certain type of success, glory—that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, but glory in favor of being just a good dad, or in favor of just taking care of your health, so you can make the most of the time you have, or whatever these things that aren't glory, that aren't like people are not going to write about you. Actually, they are writing about Hightower, which is interesting. Um, but the story that isn't what everybody would call discipline, perhaps they would say that, you know, you stop being disciplined if they didn't know the full case. But I think of Hightail like to step back from all that right at his fingertips. I don't even know his real name to just be a good dad to his kid. And just, you know, how if you don't take the wave, you just fade instantly. Everybody, five years later, nobody knows who I'm talking about. Right. And just to be a good dad, just to be able to take her to school and pick her up, help her with the grief of losing her mum, or I think that, you know, that, for me, that's discipline. Imagine how hard that would have been, that decision. You know, this I'll just share this story because it, it it's on my mind as you're sharing this, the, the story of Hightower. Um, in the U.S., I have a, a friend who told me about his childhood experiences. He's uh, one of five kids, big family. Um, I think he's the youngest of five kids. So he uh, one day came home from school with his brothers and um, one of the brothers went inside and then came straight back out and said, nobody's going in to the house. Apparently there had been a horrible um breaking and entering and both of the parents both of his parents were slain and the kids came across it so he didn't see this situation but his brothers did immediately there were suddenly five orphans just trying to cope with oh my god what what do we even do what do we even happen so the dad had a brother who lived uh, in a state nearby in the u.s and had two kids and a wife and a new family and he'd just gotten a, uh, a home started and he'd just gotten a job and they're just kind of making it, you know, just starting to get their life together. Suddenly finds out about what's happened to his brother and that his five nephews are suddenly without a family. It's like looked at his wife and said, there's no way in hell they're going to an orphanage. She said, nope. <laughs> Suddenly they had seven kids living in their house. That is a radical 90 degree turn in your life to make that commitment without hesitation. And that always fascinated me as a, as a guy who knew what he was about. Right. And his wife as well. Absolutely. She was, I mean, 100% as, as much part of this decision. 
but they absolutely knew that family mattered to them far more than comfort or success or space or their new home or their new job. All of that was going to get set aside in favor of doing what they really believed in. And to me, that that sort of exemplifies the best of what discipline is about, is realizing that your values sometimes require sacrifice, sudden radical change, shifts of, of direction, hard decisions, right? Big decisions, life-changing decisions. And that when you know who you are and what you care about, those decisions, you don't have to think about them. Yeah. You know the answer before they even arrive. Um, I, I love hearing stories about people that find themselves in that situation and immediately know what the answer is, even though it's radically unexpected and radically challenging uh, well i think and this is maybe a, a good way to sort of wrap it and present a final case there's kind of two sides to what we'll call from now on authentic discipline so this is discipline where you live by your values no matter how you feel uh not just you do a set task no matter how you feel now there is some structure to it. Like if my value is health, it helps to have a morning workout every morning that I do, no matter how I feel. But values would also say if I'm injured or antibiotics or whatever, I skip the workout. So there'd be some nuance because the values are overriding thing. It's not about working out. It's about being healthy, being healthy. Sometimes dictates I must do something else, but also being healthy is about consistency and frequency and regularity. So it helps to, you know, prep my meals and all that it all contributes to the value um but what i love is i think you know that you're disciplined with integrity you have that authentic discipline if a big curveball comes out of nowhere and you can make your decision in less than 10 seconds with no residual guilt or doubt about what that decision should be a huge life-changing and that's what i think i've found is when i've been on point with integrity like i remember when lucy was like well Maybe you could come live in Czech. And I was just like, all right, that was it. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I don't need to figure out why I said yes. I, I know I'm on point right now. Like, mm -hmm. and it was huge. I mean, I'm talking about everything possibly changing. I was just like, no, that's the right thing to do. It's got to be done. And I didn't even need to really figure out why. Whereas, you know, I know I'm lost when I'm haggling over little things. You know, I was like, oh, maybe we should do this and do that. And I'm like, man, I've, I've lost track of my compass. My compass should just be. The funny thing, the freedom of integrity is you actually lose your autonomy in a way, which is like your compass makes your decisions <laughs> for you. you do. like, what you should do. I do, brain? That, all right, you say so. I don't feel like it, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, it feels like the route on the map is like written in, in red magic marker and yeah. isn't going to change. There's um, no other part to take, in a way that's freeing because within the bounds of, of that, you know, headed north, according to your compass, you're totally free to make any of the, the, sm the small decisions you want along the way. The big decisions have already been made. That's a good way yeah, of putting really, it. Yeah. I really enjoy that. And it's funny to hear you talk about, you know, like the, the experience of discipline. It does feel like there's this war going on between what you know is right, what you want what your future is about, who you want to become. That's in your head. It's reasonably clear for most of us. Um, and what feels comfortable. And anytime you feel that struggle of, oh, which way should I go? It's usually a battle between those two halves of yourself. Yeah, right. 
I want to be fit. No, pizza and ice cream. Oh, they sound so nice. That's 90% of the cognitive dissonance that I experience, right? And the thing is, when you're, when you're being authentic and when you're really being disciplined according to your values, that argument should be pretty tame because you know very clearly what the benefit of, of staying on course is and, and the big win that you get. You get a huge reward for that, just not today. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and that's what I've noticed my shift lately to become disciplined with health is those little like bits of like, oh, I can't be bothered working. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you can. We're doing it anyway. It's really not an argument. It's more like a parent with a child and the parent is definitely the one in charge. And it's just going, I oh, know you don't want to do that today. You can do it later, but we're doing it now. And I like that. I like when I'm in that state because um, I feel like in the health section of my life, I've been out of that state for so long. and I've just felt that kind of lostness and that guilt of mistreating myself. It seems to be disrespected, um, but also feeling powerless. I'm like, I seem to have reasonable excuses. Like there seems to be this wall I'm hitting as if I'm really trying. Uh, but the war was I wasn't willing to let go of other people's feelings. I wasn't willing to let some other key people in this house get upset while I took care of business. Uh, and now I am. So I've got a bit of the Goggins ruthlessness going. Uh, and also, it's, it feels like ruthlessness, but of course, whenever I actually follow through, I'm like, ah, oh, they're not doing that bad. That suffering was in my head. Like, they can handle. They're fucking capable human beings. I was making them out to be weaker in my head than they actually are. And, who knows why I was doing that, but I was wrong, so stop doing that, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think we'll both apply our, our approaches. I'll be keen to hear what happens when you do your little five-point exercise again. And uh, I'm going to keep up with my berating myself in a loving manner. <laughs> you know, you know, keep being a bitch or what? All the tools, yeah. Going yep. Looking forward to see the changes. Yep. See you again in about three weeks. All right, dude. Chat soon, man. Yes, good stuff. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity.